welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. In 1929, the Hungarian short story Chains put forth the idea that any two people are connected by at most five acquaintances. This idea is best known today by the game Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. But those are weak connections, and what we really need are strong connections. Lead teacher Randy Pope continues the series Traveling in Packs, Finding Community in Your Personal Life with this message entitled The Benefits of Biblical Community, which covers Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Thank you for joining us today. I know as every week, some of you are coming for the first time this week, and many of you out of town last week. Be aware we uh, launched into a new three-week series, and the series is entitled Traveling in Packs. Traveling in Packs. It's finding a community in your personal life. This last week, we, uh, we dealt with the subject matter of the essence of biblical community. What is biblical community? Do you know when you see it? People have wrong ideas of what fellowship really is. They have a limited view. We discussed that and understood a little bit about what it is, so we know it when we see it. We know what to look for. This week, we're going to turn our attention to the benefits, the benefits of biblical community. That's my goal, to get us thinking it is smart to travel in groups. Spiritually speaking, we need to be in groups. Last week, I ended the message by suggesting that we all need three kinds of friends. The first is what I called a lot, or at least many, supportive friends. That means friends that you feel would support you in your time of need. It means they understand who you are and what you're going through. They're aware of your circumstances. Uh, They can encourage you and pray for you and so forth and so on. And I think a lot of us here have a lot of those. There are many of us, though, that don't. Some of us are new to the community, some to this particular church community. Some of you may have been here a long time and say, I'm lonely. I really don't have those kind of supportive friends. Supportive friends are good, but they're not good enough. We have to take a second level of friendship uh, and embrace it. And it's uh, what I would call a few significant friends, just a few significant friends As we think about having a a few friends that are significant, the difference there would be that these are people who love you unconditionally. These would be people who say, not only am I aware of what you're going through, but I'm aware of what's in you. Limitations as well as the attractive parts of your life. And regardless of what I find out about you, you still remain important to me I am a safe friend to be with. You can be honest. You can tell me whatever you want to tell me. I have a a dear friend for many years. He's in ministry as I am. And this Friday, he he experienced a, a moral disaster in terms of the consequences that are coming to his life. And I know, just as well as I know him, I know the shame and the guilt and how he must feel right now. I say I know, I probably don't know. I can only imagine. I knew it wasn't a time to call him and say, you want to talk? I knew he wouldn't want that. I know him well enough. That's not what he'd want. I knew that'll come in time, but I I decided I better just text him. So I text him a 
a little brief note, and I said, you know, this is what I want you to know. Love to talk whenever you're interested and ready. But I want you to know, I have not lost one bit of respect for you. I love you like I would love you had this not happened. There will never be a difference in our relationship because of this or other things that happen. Don't, don't worry about that. Look forward to talking to you. Well, there's a reason why that can happen in that kind of relationship. Though I wouldn't even suggest that he's one of my significant friends. I really would. Dear friend, he would be one of my supportive friends. But it has to do with what I know is true of me, which we're going to get to in a few minutes. I'll come back to that illustration. But we need people that we feel safe with. People we feel safe with, we could build significant friends. Were this man living close to me in the same community, we'd probably be very significant friends. But you got to have people on the same page with you. See, in significant friends, you have values of life that own your values as well. And they're saying, I want to get to this destiny. You want to get to the same destiny. Why don't we work together to get there? So people can have significant friends that aren't even Christians. Sure, they can have significant friends. But their values and their goals in life are totally different. Hey, I want to have fun. That's what my life's about. Oh, me too. Well, good. Let's do it together. Let's help each other get there. And they may think of that as significant friends, but you, that's not it. Why can we have the kind of significant friends I'm talking about? Because of the third friendship, and that is we all have to have the one and only supernatural friendship. That's a friendship with Jesus. When you come to have a friendship with Jesus and your values and your goals and your direction in life, everything you're after changes, and then you find other people who share those same values and goals in significant friendship, and that's when you begin to mature spiritually. Vitally, vitally important. I want to ask you a, a question very candidly, very candidly. Do you have that kind of significant friendship with a few and if you're stuttering in your thinking and not being able to resoundly say, yes, I do, well, then you need to go after them. And I want to help us understand why we want to go after them. Therefore, the benefits of biblical community. I said last week, you can't just choose to have significant friends. You can't just say, you know, I, I think I'll have you. You'd be my significant friend. Would, would you be my significant friend? No, no, no. Don't ever do that. What you do is you place yourself in environments where you can birth those significant friends. And then watch, do they come to life? Can you mature them? Do they grow? And in time, you have those significant friends. Now, we're going to be studying the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm going to invite you to turn there, though I'm going to say a few other things before we get to the text. It's a brief teaching. It doesn't take long uh, to exposit this little text. But I want, to, I want to suggest to you that the church, as I said last week, cannot give you relationships. I'm going to put up a quote that I gave just out of, I journaled this thought, and uh, want to review it again. The church cannot give you biblical community. It can only put you in environments where biblical community can be pursued. Now, in light of that, 
If you and I are going to find the kind of biblical community that I'm talking about, we have got to come to the place where we finally admit that I have a messy heart. I've got a messy heart. And I'll tell you, I've got a messy heart. I'm not just saying that. I know it. I believe it with all my heart. We teach a theology here that says everybody's heart's messy. There's nobody as bad as they could be, but there's no one that has any part of their life that's not touched by sin. It's called total depravity. I believe total depravity stands as a foundation to most of the beliefs of life that lead us to prosperity and health in the real true sense of those words. Got to understand that. When we do, we realize, therefore, I expect to have a messy life. I have a messy heart, and it's going to bleed out in ways that give me a messy life. That's what happened to my friend. I know he's got a messy heart. I know I've got a messy heart. Why would I say to my friend, my respect has not changed. I love you as I would. I hope you understand that. The reason I can say that is because why would I point at him and say, look what you did when I know in my heart is the same mess. And what I'm talking about is where you find a few people that you feel safe with. You don't do this with just anybody. But you feel safe enough that you say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to invite you to walk with me in life. And I want you to come in and help me clean out my heart. And they would agree and say, I need you to clean mine out with me. See, I don't think we were designed with the ability to clean out our own heart. First, we have to have Jesus to cover it with his righteousness and to give us the power to change. But then he has instructed us to be a people living in community where we say, would you, not everyone, but would you come and and would you peek into my heart with me and would you help me? Would you feel free to do that? I find this in our journey groups. Give a year, two, you get into the third year. Oh, you start finding that. Men with men, women with women, it happens. We've been concerned, though, about what about people who are are needing relationships as couples or single men and women alike to have community in there to be able to find their relationships and so forth. And we said, well, let's let's go to a different approach. And so we said, let's try these type of connect groups. And this is something that I have been dreaming about, thinking about for many, many, many months. We have detailed it and so forth to say, this is what we think we're ready to launch in a significant, we got these kind of groups in our church, but not with the kind of support and attention that we feel that we need to have. And so as you heard on the announcements, we've got these three weeks coming up. We encourage all of you, come, come and be a part. If you're already in a group of supportive friends, Maybe they're not significant yet, but you're in a group of supportive friends. You've been in a home fellowship, as we often call them, some other kind of group. You want to be a group together? Form your own group. We would love to see that happen. I would hope to find that I won't, we won't see this, but wouldn't it be wonderful if 80% of our people were already in those kind of groups and felt support? Great. Just designate one to be the leader. Let us know who that person would be. Let me tell you some of the genesis of this. Part of it came about because I looked at my own experience and Carol hers and said, boy, you know, we've got some very significant friends. I have been meeting with men through the years and build deep friendships. And uh, she's been meeting with women, building deep friendships. But often we say, you know, their relationships with, uh, you know, her relationship with the, the wives of my men and vice versa, that doesn't happen much. And so maybe, maybe what we're missing is 
Let's have something that couples, if they choose, can be a part of, and single or married can be together with the, uh, the opposite sex, be a, a great way to build some communal life. We also had the experience of watching Carol's parents. Her parents, for over 50 years, have had two groups. One meets month, both of them meet monthly. One is with a, a group of people out of their church. And the other is just a group of friends, some in the church, I'm sure some out. One's a birthday club. And they meet monthly and they celebrate who's ever birthday. The other group out of, uh, out of their church. And they meet together. And it's a social group. I don't say there's a lot of Bible you know, instruction and things happening deep in their faith because of it. But it's an environment. It is a good environment for long lifetime relationships to be built. And that's what we would hope we can provide for us as a church here. We want to avoid isolation. The scripture teaches it always. It puts it in a positive spin and it says, we want you to one another, each other. This is how the scriptures read. I want you to listen to me. I'm a, I've just pulled a number, not all by any means, but a number of the texts in the New Testament that uses the term one another with an admonition to do something one to the other. Listen to this. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Pursue the building up of one another. Accept one another. Warn one another. Admonish one another. Listen to this next one. Confess your sins one to the other. Bear one another's burdens. Submit to one another. Teach one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. And the list just goes on and on. I want you to read a, a couple of quotes here. David Watson, the first. He says, it's very well for Paul to say, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. But if you are on your own, it is frankly impossible to defy the materialistic and humanistic pressures of society on every side. Good statement. Another writes, and this person, I couldn't find who wrote this. I had, uh, had this in a file, but it says, the values of our society seep slowly and subtly into our hearts and minds. And the only way to defy them is to immerse ourselves. I love that. Immerse ourselves deeply into Christian fellowship so that God can fundamentally remold our thinking as we find our primary identity with other brothers and sisters who are also unconditionally committed to biblical values. In normal circumstances, we are only able to overcome in spiritual warfare when we are strongly united with other Christians. I was meeting this last week with a, with a man that I'm walking through the gospel, and uh, we're trying to understand salvation. Came to the last week, and finally I said, I want to invite you this week to determine where you were when we started meeting and where you are on a spiritual, uh, you know, on a sp spiritual grid, where you would be today. And I gave several different options to choose and said, let's think about that and see if you'd like to trust Christ to be your Lord and Savior. We get back together, and as we start talking, it was very interesting. To, I said, no, let me ask you this. Where were you when we started meeting? And he put himself really early in spiritual, you know, interest and so forth. And then I said, well, where are you now? And he put himself 
a distance from that, a totally different area of life. And I said, let me ask you, how did that happen? What caused that to happen to you? He said, well, it's been meeting with you. I said, what happened when you met with me? Well, we talked about spiritual things and this thing called the gospel, and we talked and so forth. And after he answered, I said, well, how's your experience been over these months? He said, well, it's like every week I long to get back to this lunch. Because the first day or two or three, I'm just thinking it. Everything's consuming me on my mind. I'm just so, it's such a great experience. And then by day four, maybe day five, I'm just like, oh, I need to get back again. And I said, you know what? You're in an environment when you're here with me. And you slip out of that environment and something changes, doesn't it? You come back into an environment, something changes for the better. There's the point. It is environments. I remember a couple that was in this church years and years ago, numbers of years ago. And uh, they live in another city now, but I, I'm in touch with them and I, I know, them, well, know them fairly well. And uh, they, they were divorced. I met him and, uh, and he came to Christ and she came to the Lord and they're divorced. And, and I said, you guys think maybe it'd be good for y'all to remarry? And I remember him saying, I hope not. I said, and why do you say that so strongly? Well, because I hate her and she hates me. I said, you hate each other? Oh, yeah, we hate each other. We, we have nothing. You know, no. Greatest blessing in the world is to get away from her and her from me. Uh, me from her. I mean, it was like, that was good. And so I got to both of them together. I said, don't you think it might be good for y'all to think it'd be honoring to the Lord to, for y'all to maybe remarry? And they both agreed, we hope not. But is, is there something that maybe we should be? And I said, I think it might be good. You know, you don't have to like each other to love each other. And so, you know, I know it may not be as enjoyable, but there are a lot of things we're called to that are not enjoyable. Maybe you'd be called to marriage. And uh, they go, wow, this is new thought to us. And I said, so anyway, they got convinced they should get remarried. And so I had the privilege of marrying them. It was really fun. Will you take him to be, or will you take her to be? Yes. Will you take her? Yeah. No, they didn't do that. But that's what they were thinking. I knew they were feeling that. They were going, gosh, I don't want to take her back and I don't want to take him back. But so anyway, they got married. And so a month or two later, I remember getting a phone call from him and he says, you know what? We're married and we're, you know, we're staying married, but we still don't like each other any more than we did before we married. You know, it's like, we just don't like each other. And you know, I could have done a lot of things. I'm sure I could put them in counseling and have them this, have them that. I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them in the right environment. So I called a group of families in this church, couples in this church that met together on a regular basis. They built a deep community. And I called them and I said, let me ask you, would you be willing to put another couple in your group? They struggle in their marriage. Told them the story and they said, yeah, bring them into our group. They got in that group and time passes and time passes. Next thing, they seem to be happy. And now I've talked to them in the last year they live out of state, but I've talked to them in the last year, maybe year and a half. They love each other. They get along great. They laugh about where they were, can't believe that they didn't like each other. Now they're in love with each other. And I think, what happened to them? They just got in the right environment. You parents know what it is to get your kids in the wrong environment. What happens? What happens when you put them in the right environment? Environment is so critically important. That's what we're talking about. Just putting yourself in environments. The church is going to create environments that you can walk in and find, perhaps with great effort, some real community. Now, let's get to our text. Won't take us, won't take us long. 
text is uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and we'll read verses 9 through 12, and just make a few comments. This is like a, uh, a proverb in many respects. Uh, there are different thoughts coming in this chapter in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, and it kind of will change focus and direction. Verses 7 and 8 kind of set this up. I'm not going to take the time to go through it, but basically here's the teaching. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there's not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. I want to stop, hold there just a minute. A cord of three strands. What he's saying is this. Here's the value of two over one. And then he ends it to say, and oh, by the way, three is better than two. And he could just as easily, by the way he's written this, say, and four is better than three and five is better than four. He's just saying there's strength in working together as we're calling it traveling in packs. Now, I'd like for us to look at these three. I want to reread the text, breaking it down. First verse nine Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Now, what you're going to find in the next verses is a traveling person that they're referring to, someone on a journey. That's why I like to call this traveling in packs. They're traveling in a journey. And what he's going to say is, these are what the things that happen to you. You're traveling. And as you're traveling, you could fall. You could fall into a ravine or a pit of some sort, and you'd be helpless without someone to pull you out. You come to the evening, and in Palestine, they understood the, the change of temperatures. At night, it gets very chilly, and that they would sleep very close to each other. People in groups, if they were out and exposed to the weather, they would get close together, and the body warmth would warm each other. So he starts talking about the comfort that you need and referring to as you sleep at night. Then as you're on your journey, what happens? Somebody comes along and tries to rob you. If you're alone, you're probably in big trouble. But if you have one, two, three, four, five other people, they're going to leave you alone. Or if they do try, you may whip them. And so the whole point is, remember this in life in general. Two are better than one. Is it true also of spiritual things? We're not reading too much into the text. I looked at the several commentators to find them. Are they, in, they were in agreement. This is talking about the physical to paint a picture of all of life. It's true in all of life. So let's look at those three very quickly. Number one, the assistance of others. Obviously the physical fall, uh, whether that be a, a, a literal fall or whether it be physically poor health, the need to have other people to help. If you're sick, boy, you want somebody to help you. You want somebody to nurse you, take care, get things for you. Emotional falls, whether discouraged or depressed. Whether it be a relational fall, you're deserted, or you have a death of a loved one. Financial, you lose your job, or you're, you're financially, you financially have a setback. Or a moral fall, like my friend. I will assure you right now, he's hungry to have the right people, not anybody, but the right people next to him during that time. You might note, if you're a note taker, I won't take the time, but in, uh, in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, where it says, don't forsake coming together 
as is the habit of some. He says, keep on exhorting one another. Number two of our outline, the comfort of others. The comfort of others. Uh, Verse 11 reads like this. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Well, life is full of pain and discomfort, right? It is. And if we're going to have to go through it, let's certainly go through it with someone else. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing to you the difference that a person can make in your experience when you are experiencing discomfort or pain? Just the right words. Maybe far beyond that. It can be, whether it be physical, emotional, relational, moral, it doesn't matter. Paul puts it this way. He talks about how we're comforted so we can comfort others. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of mercies, Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Well, you could focus on the comfort God gives, certainly. But why? So that you can then be able to comfort other people. So important. You know, I don't consider myself a great encourager. I really don't. That's not just putting myself down. You that are, know me well are saying amen. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a great encourager. But even as not, not someone really gifted and strong and, you know, mature in this area, perhaps, I am amazed at some of the experiences of people that I'm with that I just say something and do something and I get the feedback of what a difference it makes. And I go, really? How can that be? I'm not even strong in that area. Well, I think we all know it means something when we are down to have someone around to help us in that period of being down. Number three, the protection of others. Verse 12 reads like this. And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. You know, one of the biggest areas of our protection need as Christians is moral protection, right? We just need people around us to protect us morally. That comes through a lot of different ways. Watch what uh, James Houston has to say. He puts it this way. If sin is self-deceiving, then I need a soul friend to give me insights into the ways I am deceived or insensitive or hardened by sin within me. I cannot do it alone. Self-examination can only take me so far. I need others to help expose and help me understand where sin would deceive and confuse me. Look at James 5.16. James 5 says, Therefore confess your sins one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. Let me tell you, just to have people around you praying for you. How many times do I hear, you know, the prayers of the people have so encouraged me, have so helped me. We need accountability. We need people to to come alongside and pray for us. We need people to counsel us. What do you think? What's your idea about this? It's just riddled throughout Scripture. I'm telling you, everywhere you turn, it is do it as a group. Don't do it alone. Let me close by saying this. There are a lot of us here as real Christians And we're living very isolated. We are not connecting well. Some of us aren't. And I would say there's a lot of men particularly who are not. 
So let's say you go through tragedy tomorrow afternoon. I mean the worst tragedies of life. Who will be at your home? How well will you know them? How well will they know you? How pleased will you be that they showed up in the midst of your tragedy? That's when you say, I want to know that I've got biblical community. Now that community is going to come because first you found community with Christ. You found fellowship with him. Got to have the supernatural friend. Bow the knee to him. You say, well, what do you say? How do you mean that? You go to the cross. Say, well, I keep going. Go to the cross. What do you mean go to the cross? Go to the end of the Gospels and read the work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary and ask yourself, why did you do that? Did you do it for me? You invite him to give his righteousness to you to cover the sin that will always be there on earth so that he'll treat you as righteous and you'll find the relationship becoming a deeper and deeper friendship. Then your values, your goals, your heart, your interests, everything begins to change. And then you take the next step and you say, I need to put a few significant friends to join me to travel in life. And I would love to think that because of this series, there are going to be some of us here, particularly some of you young folks, they're going to be like Carol's parents 50 years down the road. And when you're burying each other and you're holding on to each other in the very end of life, if you grow elderly like they did together, that you'll be able to say, glad I traveled in a pack. I was connected. I had support. I didn't do it alone. Let's each pray. God, show me what little community or pack to get in lead me do a little work on it pray for it and then explore as you get into those little groups ah maybe this is the right environment it may not be and you'll get in a different group later and you'll keep finding until you say "Mm, these are the people then you walk through life with them let's pray together father in heaven we bow to say Would you lead us? Would you lead us first to a deep friendship with you and then with a few significant others? Thank you that even as we get in these groups, we will find some new supportive friends for sure. And we'll thank you for those. But we want out of that in in time, over the next years, you'd build depth into our heart with significant friends we ask. And thank you for offering your friendship to us. May we embrace it now and through you, Find everything else in life we need. Bless now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.